0: Section 6 of Luke Garoo. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Doug Fajardo. Luke Garoo by Eden Philpotts. Section 6. The night had now closed in, and the singing women were hard at work in the garden, their quaint, whining melodies rising and falling and sobbing through outer gloom. Sometimes the music rose in a great crescendo of sound that echoed far into the night-hidden land. Sometimes the wild song sank into a long-sustained drone like the wail of Scottish pipes. But there was no moment of absolute silence. The mourners never stopped for an instant. Did they do so, Luke-Guru would seize the opportunity for which he waited. Presently the distant mountains were fringed with light, and the dark hills clothed with a veil of silver-gray gauze as the moon rose raining brightness upon the quiet world. Wondrous harmonies trembled out of the darkness, the palms were set in pearls, beneath them the torches of the singers flashed with a glow of ruddy flame, and, round Noel, as he sat by death, there shone a radiance of soft glory also. Moonbeams kissed the small white face beside him, twined bright fingers in Ruth Mallion's gray hair, outlined her outstretched form, explored the dark corners of the chamber, gleamed with pencils and splashes of light on the metalwork of the old bureau. The locked desk in the corner brought Noel Warren's own fortunes back to his mind he expected nothing deserved nothing and yet there was a possibility that his aunt had not wholly forgotten him but personal matters occupied a very few moments of his time his reflections had already drifted back to the dead woman when the value of his vigil became manifest The moon was stealing onwards and upwards. The mournful chant of the negresses still rang upon waking ears. Fireflies danced their intermittent fires dim under the moonshine. Tree frogs maintained a ceaseless chirrup in the palms. Then a woman's shrill, sudden scream cut the air like a knife. It was followed by another and another and, hastily approaching the window, Noel saw a vision of dark, hurrying figures and waving torches under the trees. The music stopped for a moment to instantly burst out again in deafening, agitated chorus, where the terrified crowd had herded together in a mass as cattle before a beast of prey. In another moment, beneath him as he stood before the window. The listener heard something rustling in the foliage, and almost before he could start back into the room, a silent black and hairy hand was upon the sill. Noel, with his heart beating like a hammer, knelt behind a chair in the darkest corner and cocked his pistol. As he did so, a shadow fell across the bier, and, looking to the window, the man's hair bristled up, his breath was caught in his throat, he shook at what he saw. Framed there stood an inky silhouette, a misshapen living thing, half man, half ape. The moonlight showed its hairy body, outlined its shaggy ears, and played like white fire in its round eyes as it turned to listen. Then, with slow and deliberate movement, it dragged itself over the window ledge and fell, silent as a spider, upon the floor. Crawling onwards, it stopped by the feet of the dead, and Noel, his nerves at the last pitch of tension, was about to shoot. But the thing moved away again and, suddenly getting upon its feet, walked over to Ruth Mallion's bureau. Man or demon, it wanted money, not blood. There was the tinkle of a key, and the heavy set doors turned back not stopping to think his past horror turned to rage the armed man lifted his pistol aimed between the eyes of the great bull-like head before him and fired a streak of tawny flame flashed from the darkness a puff of smoke caught the light of the moon and made the room bright the black figure leaping into the air turned with outstretched hand and vainly endeavored to stagger back to safety, but it did not reach the window. Bending under the smoke, Noel fired again, and, with a great groan choked in its head, the dark being fell crashing down. Once it struggled to its knees, but only for a moment. Then it rolled over, scratching the matting with its nails. In the window a torch smoked and sputtered over a crowd of struggling women with shiny black faces and frightened eyes. At the same time, Gerard forced open the door behind Noel, and entered with lights. A crowd from the garden trod upon his heels, peeping over his shoulders and under his arms with hysterical excitement and a screaming jabber of words. The room grew full of hurried forms in the mingled light of torch and moon, and a smell of burnt gunpowder tainted the air. The rabble made a semicircle around the dead, black creature humped up in a corner. There it lay, silent as the little white form on the bier, but nobody dared go near it, save only Noel. He, taking a light, pushed through the Negroes, and approached his victim. Man, brute, or devil, the thing was dead enough now. It had fallen on its back, and its open, goggle eyes glimmered up at Noel as he bent over it. A dark stream wound over the floor from its side, seeing which young Warren guessed at the truth, or part of the truth. This is a mask, he cried. One of the carnival demon masks painted black. Help me quickly here. I've shot a man. It must be a nigger. See if anybody knows him. They tore the grinning mask off and found no negro, only all that was left of Roger Warren. He had acted from the best possible motives, but been unfortunate. End of chapter 6